I grew up as a kid in the 1980s. Um, I'm letting you know around where I am, you know, in age. And, and, uh, and, you know, there were a lot of 80s songs that I remember hearing as a kid that I did not always fully understand until later on when I began to actually understand what these, these songs were. And one of those songs I remember hearing as a kid was the, the song Faith by George Michael, his hit. Um, that uh, the catchy chorus goes, because I got to have faith, I got to have faith, because I got to have faith, the faith, the faith, I got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Real catchy, right? Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I heard that, you know, got to have faith, got to have faith. And I thought he was talking about faith in Jesus, faith in God, right? But when I actually l- looked at the, the lyrics and I got to know, know that song, I realized, no, 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 that's not what he was singing about. He was actually singing about walking away from a romantic relationship and having faith that something better was out there beyond that, right? So there's a lot of ways that we use that word faith in our culture, right? A lot of different ways that people talk about faith. Well, in, in the sermon series that, that, that I've been preaching through the last few weeks, um, we've been looking at, at these five solas of the Reformation. We started this on Reformation Sunday, um, and we're going to see that, that the way the Bible talks about faith, we're going to be looking at a sola about faith today, is very different from what George Michael was singing about. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a very specific sense of what the Bible means when it talks about faith. Um, this, this series, we've been looking at sort of these, these five phrases that Martin Luther really brought out at the time of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, over 500 years ago, in 1517 is when it started. Um, and, and each of these phrases starts with the Latin word sola, which means alone. So that's where that, that word comes from, the five solas. Um, and so three weeks ago when we started this series, we looked at the first sola, which is sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. And, and we talked about how, how Luther and the, and the Reformers emphasized that, that Scripture alone is our authority for what to believe and how to live, that, that, it, that everything, we, we, we gauge it against Scripture, Scripture alone, not traditions and other things, but, but it's, it's about God's Word, what He's given to us. And then um, the last two weeks, we have looked at the next two solas, um, solus Christus, which means Christ alone, and then sola gratia, which means grace alone, as, as Alex mentioned earlier in his, in his testimony. Um, and, and what those solas are all about is what Scripture teaches about how we are saved. That we are saved by Christ alone. Christ alone has accomplished our salvation for us. He is the only mediator between God and humanity, as we talked about uh, two weeks ago. And then sola gratia, grace alone, that we are saved only by God's grace. We do not deserve it. We cannot earn it. As, as Alex so eloquently said, it is a free gift that God gives to us that we simply receive. And, and so that leads us now to our, our fourth sola, which today is sola fide, faith alone. So, so what Christ has done and the grace that he gives, how do we receive it? How does it come to us? And what the, what the scripture teaches is that it comes through faith. It comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And we're going to be unpacking that today uh, together. And the way that we're going to be looking at that um, specifically today is through Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 21 through 28. 
Um, and this, this passage in Romans 3 was really a, a central text for Martin Luther. And at the time of the Reformation, it was one that, that was, it was unpacked. You know, it was, it was one that they really went to, uh, to understand what, these, what, what this new um, recovery of what salvation is all about came from. So Romans chapter 3, it's on page 797 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to, to follow along there. Um, and, uh, and so let me read God's word to us this morning from Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. So Paul writes, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this, um, this passage that is just so packed with truth and, and, and complexity and depth, Lord. We pray that you would um, open our eyes to understand it more fully, that you would open our ears to, to hear your spirit speaking to us through your word as we study it together, Lord, and that you would give us the gift of faith today to trust you, to trust your word, to trust what you say to us of how we can be justified before you. And so speak, Holy Spirit, now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just as we've done with, with the, um, the previous solas each Sunday, I want to start with um, just sort of the basic question, what does this sola really mean? What does faith alone mean? Um, and as we've talked about with both, as I said, Christ alone and grace alone, the focus of these three kind of middle solas are all about the question of how we are saved. Um, so again, that, that phrase, faith alone, it's not talking about some kind of just vague faith that somehow things are just going to be okay. <laughs> it's not talking about just sort of a, you know, I, again, you got to have faith that, that somehow things are going to be okay. No, no, no. The faith that is being spoken of here, the faith alone that's being spoken of here in the scriptures is, and, and especially at the time of the Reformation, is that salvation is received only through faith in Jesus Christ. That that is what faith alone means. It means that salvation, being saved, is received only through faith, but it is Faith in Jesus Christ, specifically in, in one, in Jesus. We're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Um, and the way that Paul talks about this in our text today from Romans 3 is with a particular um, language, a particular word that he uses it is the language of justification. You maybe heard that throughout the passage, being justified. Um, that word, justification, being justified, it's, it's a legal term. It's something that kind of comes from the, 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 the courtroom. To be justified means to be declared innocent, 
to be declared righteous. For a judge to say, you're not guilty, right? To be justified means to be declared innocent or declared righteous. And so um, as Paul talks about this idea of being justified, declared righteous, there's a problem, though, that arises right in our text today. In verse 23 of our text, Paul says this. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in other words, none of us are righteous. None of us are innocent. None of us deserves to be declared righteous or innocent. And so none of us can be justified by the way that we live our lives. None of us can, can do that. We can never earn that from ourselves. And that's exactly what we've been talking about the past two weeks, that, 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 that we are all in need of salvation, that we need God's grace, as we talked about last week. We need God's undeserved love because we cannot earn it. We cannot show that we somehow deserve it because we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all deserve a guilty verdict. But verse 24 goes on to say, all have sinned and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so that right there is talking about those last two solas that we've just been looking at. Right? What does it say? Justified freely by, by what? By his grace. That we are declared righteous, declared innocent, not through something about us, but by God's grace, by his choice to declare us righteous and innocent as something that we don't deserve. Now, how in the world could that be possible? How could God declare us righteous? How could he declare us innocent when we know that we're not? Right? How does that happen? Well, Paul says it happens by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the only way that we can have this grace upon us is because of Christ alone, what Christ alone has done. And what has Christ done? Well, in the very next verse, Paul goes on to say in verse 25, he says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was taking the guilty verdict that we deserve. That God said to Jesus, you are guilty, even though he was not, right? But Jesus was stepping in to our place and taking that guilty verdict on himself. He was paying the penalty of death for us. He was, as Paul says, the, a sacrifice of atonement. And because Christ did that, now we can be declared innocent. Because he took the guilty verdict for us. And Christ's perfect righteousness, he deserved to be declared innocent, right? Now that gets passed on to us. That we are now declared innocent and righteous. Not because of ourselves, but because of Christ. Martin Luther just talked about this in a really powerful way. He called this a glorious exchange. A glorious exchange. And so hear, hear what Luther wrote about this. He says, Is not this a beautiful, glorious exchange by which Christ, who is wholly innocent and holy, not only takes upon himself another's sin, so we're the sinners, he's the holy one, the sin goes on to him, right? 
that is my sin and guilt, but also, also clothes and adorns me, who am nothing but sin, with his own innocence and purity. See that exchange? The sin, our sin goes on to Christ, and Christ's righteousness goes on to us. And then Luther goes on to say, and then besides, dies the shameful death of the cross for the sake of my sins, through which I have deserved death and condemnation, and grants to me his righteousness, in order that I may live with him eternally in glorious and unspeakable joy. Through this blessed exchange in which Christ changes places with us, something the heart can grasp only in faith, and through nothing else are we freed from sin and death and given his righteousness and life as our own. Isn't that amazing? This glorious exchange that, that we get this righteousness that we don't deserve, we haven't earned, from Christ, and he takes our sin upon himself. And so the question that really we're focusing on today is, so how do you receive that? How does that glorious exchange come to you and me? How do you receive the innocent verdict? How do you receive God's grace given on account of Christ alone? And the answer that Scripture gives is that how we receive it, how it comes to us, is through faith in Christ Jesus. In, through faith. And, and that's what we see in, in the very next verse, verse 26, where Paul says that God is the one who justifies who? Those who have faith in Jesus. So that is how it comes, right? That is how the justification happens. It happens to those who have faith in Jesus. Faith is the vehicle through which we receive what Christ has accomplished for us. And earlier in verse 22, Paul says, this righteousness from God, right? This righteousness, this declaration that you're righteous, that you're innocent, it comes how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So Christ's righteousness is credited to all those who believe, those who have faith in Christ Jesus. So what exactly does that mean? What, so if, if faith is the thing that, that brings it to us, what are we talking about when we talk about this word faith? What is faith? And specifically, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Well, as most basic meaning, faith is believing and trusting in something or someone. Believing and trusting in something or someone. And so when we're talking about receiving salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, that means that Jesus is the something or someone that we are believing in, that we are trusting in. So faith in Jesus Christ is believing and trusting in Jesus for salvation. So it means that we believe that Jesus has done everything necessary to save us, and then we trust him. We put our lives in his hands. We trust him. Um, you know, a classic illustration of this is a trust fall. Anybody here done one of those? A, a trust fall? Um, my, at, the, at the picnic a couple weeks ago, um, my daughter Sophia, she was just, she wanted to do this with me. She was wanted to, to do this. Daddy, can I do a trust fall with you? I don't know if she called it a trust fall, but, but she basically said, you know, what, what, what a trust fall is, is when, when someone falls backwards. <laughs> Not looking at, at what's happening behind them, right? Just, just kind of locks the knees and falls backward into someone else who's behind that person who catches them, who catches that person behind them. Um, and what, what you're doing in a trust fall is, is you are 
putting your faith in the person behind you that they're going to catch you, right? That they're actually going to do that. And so what is, what, what is faith? It, it first, it involves the mind because it, me, it means that you believe that the person behind you is able to catch you and that they want to catch you, that they're not going to deceive you, right, by letting you fall. And it means that you're trusting that they will catch you, that they will do it. And then faith goes beyond, though, just believing in your mind to actually trusting the person by falling backwards, right, falling into their arms. And, it, and, and that's the question, right, is do you really trust them? Is, is will you fall back? Um, and so the question about your faith, is your faith placed well, it, it doesn't really matter how much faith you have, like if you really believe a lot or if you believe a little. What it really depends upon is who's there behind you. It's the object of your faith. It is the question of, of is your faith placed in the right person, in the right someone or something. And so in a similar way, when we talk about faith in Jesus Christ, it means that with our minds, we believe that Jesus is the only mediator between us and God, and we believe that he has paid for our sin in full, that he has credited our righteousness to his account, or his righteousness to our account, and therefore that we are completely justified before God, and that we have a restored relationship with God. So it, it, it means believing those truths, right? Saying, yes, I believe, Jesus, that you have done this for me. But then faith means that we actually trust him to do this for us. That, that we look to him to save us. That we fall back upon him. And, and so it means that I rest in the fact that I am justified, that I have a restored relationship with God. And part of what that means is that I stop trying to justify myself. A sign that we are actually believing in Jesus to justify us is that we're no longer trying to show that I am worthy, that I am justified, that we're trying to justify ourselves, right? Um, and the question of whether our faith has been placed well and whether we will actually be saved, it again doesn't depend on how much faith we have, how great our faith is, but it depends upon the object of our faith. It depends upon, guess who? Jesus. That's all it depends upon, upon him. Will he catch us? It, has he done what's necessary to do that for us? And so when we talk about this idea of, of faith alone, the next question I want to look at is why do we affirm faith alone? Why do we confess that it is by faith alone that we're saved? Well, again, think about what we've been saying about salvation. It's been accomplished by only one person, by Jesus Christ alone. No one else is able to mediate between us and God. And so, because Christ alone has accomplished our salvation, the only way we can receive it is to trust in him and what he's done, right? The only way is to connect ourselves to him, to him who's actually done it. That's it. There's nothing to add. Because Christ has done it all. And so if we're trusting in him, guess what? That's all we need. That's all we need is to trust him. We don't have to, to, to do anything in addition to show that we're really worthy of this, right? It's simply by trusting him. And, but, faith in Christ is absolutely necessary in order to be saved because it's only him who's done it. And so if we have any hope of being saved, it needs to be that we're falling back not into 
this person over here or this religion over here or our good works over here. It has to be that we're trusting in Christ alone. We're falling back into him. So, so going back to that, that trust fall example, whether we like it or not, one day, each and every one of us is going to take the ultimate fall. The fall into death. None of us, ex- none of us escapes that, right? We all end up taking that final fall into death. And our only hope in that moment is, is there going to be someone who's going to catch us when we take that fall? Is there going to be someone who's going to catch us to prevent us from falling into eternal death, but actually be saved into eternal life after our death? There's nothing we can do to prevent the fall, right? And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, We can't save ourselves on that side. It has to be that we're falling into someone, right? That we're falling into something. And so our only hope is to trust that someone's going to catch us. And the Bible proclaims that Jesus is the one who's able to do that. That he is the only one who's able to do that. In fact, he claims that he's already done everything necessary to save us when we die. And if we trust him, we will be saved. He guarantees that. So trusting him is our only hope of being saved. And there's nothing else we can add to that because it all depends just on on him. It's through faith alone. In in, in John chapter 6, Jesus himself says this in verse 40. He says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus claims that he has the power to raise us up at the last day, to give us eternal life. And the way we receive that is to look to the Son and believe in him, as Jesus says. And that's it. That's it. Faith alone in Christ alone. Now, one of the big questions when we talk about this whole idea of faith is, so how do we get it? How does someone come to trust in Jesus for salvation? How does someone come to, to be at a place where they say, I'm falling into Jesus' arms, right? How does that happen? So that's the next question I want to look at is, is, where does faith come from? And on the surface, we might think that faith comes from ourselves, right? That, that as I'm the one who believes something or, or not, that I trust Jesus or I don't. And so, so we have a tendency to think that, that faith comes from me. It comes from inside of me. But this is why that first Reformation sola is so important, sola scriptura, which means that what we should believe is what scripture teaches. And so we have to look at what does scripture teach about where faith comes from and not our own experience or what we think. And what scripture teaches is that faith is a gift from God. That faith is a gift from God. In our text from last week that we looked at in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In, in the original Greek um, of, this, of this verse, it's not completely clear what the it is referring to when it says that, that 
it is by, and this, this is not from yourselves. What is the it? Well, is it, is it the gift, is the gift of God the grace? Is it the salvation? Is it the faith? It's most likely that the gift is everything. <laughs> it's the whole package. All of it. It's not from ourselves. That our salvation is accomplished by Jesus, but even the faith to receive it is a gift from God. And the reason we can, we, we, we're pretty sure about, about that is because Paul says, no one can boast. Right? No one can boast. No one can point to themselves and say, the reason I'm saved is because of me. It's because I had really great faith to trust this. No, no, no. If faith was something that we could create in ourselves, something that we could point to and take credit for, that would mean that part of our salvation is from us and that we could be tempted to, to boast about my faith. But salvation is by grace alone. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Not even through our faith. And so even our faith is a gift from God, something given to us that we don't deserve. And this becomes even clearer when we remember what Paul said earlier in this chapter in, in Ephesians 2.1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That before we believe, Paul says we are dead in our sins. We're unable to trust God in our sinful state. We can't choose to start believing in God. Faith must be a gift from God because, guess what? Dead people can't do anything. Dead people can't start believing or trusting on their own by mustering it up, right? Actually, we need God to make us alive. And so in, in this book, his book, Handling the Word of Truth, um, the author John Pless writes this. He says, faith is, is not a commitment that we can muster. Faith is not doing our part. Like God does some of it and then we do the rest. That's, that's not what it is. Faith is not a decision that we make for Christ. Faith is that trust in the mercy of God, in Jesus Christ, that is created by the promises of God. Faith is God's gift that makes alive those who are dead in sin. Corpses cannot choose to be made alive. There's only God who can do this. And so if faith is a gift from God, then how does he give it? How does that gift come to us? And again, we need to look at what Scripture says, not just what we think in our own minds of how that might happen. And what Scripture teaches is that faith is given through hearing the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, later in, the, in this, the same letter, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So hearing the message of the gospel is the way that God gives us the gift of faith. In, in, in earlier in Romans 1.16, Paul calls the gospel, this message, the power of God. There is power in the word to cause dead, unbelieving sinners like us to have faith, to start believing. Um, last, last spring, I preached a sermon on Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead that, that's it's recorded in John 11. And this gives a really powerful picture of this because where is Lazarus? He's dead. He's in the tomb. He's wrapped up. He's been there for three days, right? Um, and, but Jesus gives life to Lazarus how? Through his word. He calls at the tomb Lazarus, come out. Now, there's no way 
that Lazarus could obey a command like that on his own, right? Because he's dead. He can't come out of the tomb. But what is, why is Jesus calling this dead person to come? It's because Jesus' word has the power to raise him from the dead that then allows Lazarus to trust and come out of the tomb, to take that step out into the tomb. But it starts with the power of Jesus' word. It's the word itself that gives life to that dead person and then empowers him to respond. And so when God speaks his word to us, who are dead in our sins, the word has the power to bring us to life so that we can then trust him, so that we can then receive his salvation. It is the word that enlivens us to then respond in faith. Think about that, that trust fall example one more time. What makes someone believe that the person behind them is going to catch them so that they actually fall backwards? It isn't that that person somehow musters up faith in themselves to sort of be like, I'm going to sort of just somehow believe that this person's going to do it. No, usually, most likely, what happens is the person behind them has told them, I'm going to catch you. They proclaimed a word to them to say, I will catch you. And that word that the person behind them proclaims, guess what? It gives that person faith to trust and fall back into the arms. It is the word that brings about the trust, the promise of the word, and what, and what they know of who that person is that, that gives them the faith to fall back. And so God comes to us, and he speaks his promise of the gospel to us, and he calls us to trust him, and it is the word and, and the God who, who promises through that word, that is what creates faith in our hearts to trust him. But it's God's work. It's not our work. We don't do it. He's the one that does it, but he does it through the word. And so as I've said throughout the, this whole series, all of these solas, they're really great against our sinful nature <laughs> because that first word, scripture alone, we don't want to submit to scripture alone. We want to lift up our own experience and our own reason as equal authorities. Right? We want to say, I need to understand it fully. I need, I need to have this match with my own experience. And so scripture alone kind of grates against our, our, sel our selfish sinful nature that says, I want to be the authority in my life, not scripture. And we don't want to acknowledge that Christ alone can mediate between us and God. We want to think that somehow we can make things right with God ourselves, that we can make up for it, right? That's what our sinful nature wants, to say, I, I can somehow make, I can make it right, God. I, I can do enough good to appease you. And so Christ alone, it grates against our sinful nature to say that you can't do it. Christ alone can do it. And grace alone. We don't want to admit that it's by grace alone because we want to think that there's something in us that deserves or has earned God's favor, that there's something that we bring. And with this one too, we don't want to admit that we are saved by faith alone, especially if this faith doesn't come from me. I want to say that there's something that I'm bringing to this, that I'm accomplishing it. No, Faith alone says it's only through trust, and that trust itself is produced by God, <laughs> by his word to us. And so all these solas of the Reformation, they all emphasize that there is nothing we contribute to our salvation except our sin. <laughs> That's it. We, we, uh, we, we bring our own brokenness to the, to the, and Jesus is the one who does it. He's the one that saves us. It's by grace alone, through the gift of faith alone, 
based on the work of Christ alone. And all that leads to the last solo that we're going to talk about next week. That, that It brings us to the fact that we say glory to God alone. <laughs> glory to God alone. We give God all the praise, all the glory for our salvation because it is all from him. So as, we, as we've done the last few weeks, I just want to close with, with this question. What is our response to faith alone? As you've heard this message of, of faith alone, what is our response? What, what is, and as we've talked about the last few weeks, the first response is repentance is to repent of the ways that we make faith about ourselves. Like I said, our sinful nature wants to use even our faith as something that we boast about for ourselves, as something that we point to in ourselves, that the reason I'm saved is because I did this. When we begin to focus, we begin to focus on our faith rather than the object of our faith, on Christ. It's all about him, not about us. And so whenever we start thinking about how strong or weak our faith is, either priding ourselves on, on the strength of our faith or feeling ashamed at how weak our faith is, guess what we're doing? We're focusing on ourselves and not on Christ. And so we need to repent of that, to, to say, God, I'm sorry that, that I keep making it about me and how good I'm trusting you or how bad I'm trusting you. And to even ask God for forgiveness for making our faith about ourselves rather than about him. And praise God that, guess what? He forgives us for that too when we do that. There's grace for us when we do that. He's paid for that sin in, in full on the cross. And so we can, be, we can acknowledge that to him and say, God, bring me back to you. It's all about you, not about me. And that leads to that, that second response of faith alone, which is to look away from ourselves to Christ and his finished work. The preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, the man who has faith is the man who is, and, and, or woman, right? Man or woman who has faith is the, is the one who is no longer looking at himself and no longer looking to himself. He no longer looks at anything he once was. He does not look at what he is now. He does not look at what he hopes to be. He looks entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work, and he rests on that alone. So don't look at your past, where you've been. Don't look at right now and, and how you're doing right now or even look to, look to Christ. It's all about him. Don't look at your, your sin, your good deeds, your doubts, whether you have enough faith. Simply look to Jesus and rest in the fact that he's done it all. It is finished. And because of that, you are declared righteous in his sight. You are justified. You are redeemed. You are saved. You have life. You are free at last, as Alex said. You can trust him. You can trust him. And so the last response to faith alone, then, is to live out your faith through good works. Now, you might think, like, what, wait, what, what's this whole work? Why is this bringing it up here, right? Well, one of the keys at the time of the Reformation was asserting that we are justified through faith alone and not through works, Right? Good works have no place in earning our salvation, trying to add anything to grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. But the reality is that that faith that alone justifies us, that receives salvation, it never remains alone after we've been saved. And that's why the book of James talks about how faith without works is dead. That actually when we trust in Jesus, it's all about him. 
what, guess what Jesus does? He starts doing this work in us and starts producing good works. Um, we live out our faith through those good works. And Martin Luther himself said this. He says, oh, faith is a living, busy, active, mighty thing so that it is impossible for it not to constantly be doing what is good. Likewise, faith does not ask if good works are to be done, but before one can ask, faith has already done them and is constantly active. Whoever does not perform such good works is a faithless man, blindly tapping around in search of faith and good works without knowing what either faith or good works are. And in the meantime, he chatters and jabbers a great deal about faith and good works. We're not supposed to just be talking about faith and good works. No, no, he says, trust in Christ. And guess what? When you do, he is going to produce that good works within you. He is going to lead you to love your neighbor. So instead of looking to ourselves at, at, at whether we're doing enough good works or whether we have enough faith, look to Christ, his finished work, and in joyful response, we worship him by living our lives, by doing good for our neighbor, and serving our Savior in worship. So today, if you find that your faith is weak, don't look at your faith. Look at Christ. And if you wonder if you've, if you've been given the gift of faith, have I, has that gift been given to me? Don't look at yourself. Look at Christ. And, and as you look to him, trust in his finished work for you. Trust in his ability to give you the faith that you need. Trust in his powerful word that's able to create faith in your heart. And trust in his ability to also empower you to live out your faith through doing good deeds. It's all him. He will do it. So look to Christ and trust him alone. Let's pray. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to look away from ourselves, to look away from the things that we are tempted to want to trust in, to show that we are worthy of justification, that we are worthy of, of being declared righteous, Lord. Just help us to just get rid of all of that and just look at you and what you've done for us on the cross. You've paid for our sin in full. You declared that we are righteous because of Jesus. And so God, give us that gift of faith to trust you and then simply rest in the fact that you have paid it all in our place. In Jesus' name, amen.